Well, church, it is good to be worshiping with you in 2022. And my name is Todd. I'm one of the pastors here. And I am glad to be starting a new sermon series with you today. It's called Keep It Simple. Let's not complicate this church thing. Let's not make it more difficult than it needs to be. Uh, let's just keep it simple. In fact, uh, I wanted to keep it simple, and so uh, I just wrote my sermon for this week just out on a napkin, just uh, etched it out on a napkin, and boom, keeping it simple, not complicating uh, this church thing. Uh, our mission here at Holland Chapel is to help people find and follow Jesus. We don't need to get lost in what are we doing? Are we a social club? What kind of organization are we? We are a group of followers of Jesus Christ who are hey, doing life together. We're in this time and this place together following Jesus Christ. And our mission is simply to help people find and follow him. In other words, our mission is to bring other people along with us in this journey with Jesus. That's what we're going to be focusing on this morning, just that simple mission. And then over the next three weeks, we're going to look at three words that will help us do that together. Worship, connect, and serve. All right, but this week, Helping people find and follow Jesus, what is our simple mission? Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, we're going to read a passage there. But before we start reading this passage, Bibles are in, under, the, under the seats in front of you as well. Um, on your phone, in your hand, in your purse, whatever, whatever copy you're using, turn to Mark chapter 2. But before we read uh, this this morning, we want to take off our bored, same old, same old, nothing impresses me glasses. And we want to put on our, I'm ready to see something incredible in the new year, amaze me, blow my mind glasses. And that's how we're going to look at the Word of God this morning, with this, ah, let me be in awe and wonder. All right, Mark chapter 2, verse 1. The Word of God says this. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or 
Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Oh, we are thankful for the Word of God. And I'm going to take off these blow my mind, impress me, show me something awesome glasses. And let's think about this for a minute. The, what we just read, this encounter with Jesus, what, what, do, we, what do we see the, the, the people doing? Yeah, there was a crowd there, right? There were Jesus was drawing some attention with his powerful teaching and his, his miracles. There was a crowd there. Specifically, what we see here going on is four folks were carrying someone to get close to Jesus. There was a man and his legs didn't work, but they knew that this Jesus could do miracles. They knew that he could heal bodies, and so they were trying to get their friend to Jesus. But there was an obstacle in the way. All of the people, they couldn't, they couldn't get to him. They couldn't get through the door. They couldn't get through all of the crowd. There was an obstacle there, but that did not stop them. They were persistent, and so they went on the roof, and we're not going to uh, dig uh, too deep into this uh, this morning, but they were able uh, through the roof of the house to move some tiles and lower their friend down before Jesus they brought, them, brought him to Jesus. And then what do we see Jesus doing in this passage? Well, we see Jesus addressing the deeper issue. The first thing Jesus said to this man was, your sins are forgiven. Jesus went straight to the deeper issue. Yes, this man had uh, an obvious uh, issue there, and that was uh, his legs. He couldn't walk. But Jesus went further than that because not only can Jesus heal the physical, but he can heal the spiritual. Not only can Jesus take care of the body, but he can take care of the soul. And then this threw the religious folks off. And they're like, what is this blasphemy? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus, to show that he had the authority to forgive sins because he is, in fact, God, he said, look, which is easier? I can say this. I can say that. I tell you what, just so that you see this power, just so that you'll see who I am, get up, take your mat, and walk out of here. Everyone's mind was blown when they realized who Jesus was. And I love how the synoptic gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are very similar in the, uh, the accounts that they uh, share in the written word of God. And I love how the synoptic gospels put two uh, different episodes together here. So we read this about the friends carrying the man to Jesus. And then the very next passage is about a fellow named Matthew or Levi. And you'll see there in verses 13 through 17... Uh, this account uh, of Levi or Matthew. Uh, 
He'll answer to either name, whatever you call him. So Matthew was a tax collector uh, in the area here. Jesus called on Matthew to become one of his followers, one of his disciples. Matthew does that. And the first thing we read about Matthew doing after this is throwing a Jesus party. And, uh, and so he invited Jesus to his house, and he invited a lot of other uh, friends, associates, uh, people that were in his circle. He invited them to his house, too, because he wanted them to be around Jesus, just like the four wanted their paralyzed friend to be around Jesus. So Matthew throws this Jesus party. Now, some of his associates, some of his friends, uh, they weren't the goody two-shoes uh, crew. Uh, they were, uh, uh, didn't have the best reputation among those uh, religious, among those who had their nose up in the air and thought they were better than others. They had issues. Well, Jesus is there, Matthew's there, his friends are there, and these religious folks who thought they were better than others, they got all bent out of shape. And they're saying, why is Jesus associating with this crowd? And then we read this in verse 17. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Jesus said, I've come for those who need a cure. I've come for those who know they are sick. And here's the deal. We're all sick. That's really all of us. If we open our eyes and be aware of our spiritual need, none of us have it, have it together because we all have that deeper issue that the paralyzed man had. We all had that deeper issue of sin that separates us from God. Isaiah 64, 6, uh, prophet, one of the prophets in the Old Testament uh, in, in, in that passage says, all of our righteous deeds, all of ours, hey, I've got my life together. Hey, I'm going to do some good works. Hey, I'm going to be kind to others. Hey, all of our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. It's like dirty laundry before God. We've all got that deep issue. Here's the deal. Jesus can take care of the deep issue. That's why he went to the cross to take care of our sin. He rose from the dead, showing that he can handle it, showing that he's able to forgive us our sins and give us victory over death. And he, just like he wanted to be around Matthew and his friends there, Jesus can be our Savior for all eternity, but he wants to be your Savior today as well. And just like the folks here, they had issues. We've all got issues. And Jesus, he can handle your deepest issue your sin issue, and by trusting in him, he can bring you close to God in a close relationship. But he can also, and he also cares about all the other issues that we're dealing with. Students that are here, life is tough, and you're figuring out about new responsibilities. You're, you're trying to, to, to get through school. You're trying to deal with, with friends and how to interact with them and all that kind of stuff and everything that life throws at you. 
You don't have to do that alone. Jesus is a Savior who wants to walk through those issues, walk with you through all of that today. Uh, so, so, some of you may be going and moving into a new season or new stage of life, and you're missing uh, the way life used to be, and, and you don't know what your day-to-day is going to be like. You don't know what it's going to look like tomorrow or next week in this season of life, this stage of life you're in. Jesus wants to walk with you through that as well. You don't have to go through this, enter into this new stage of life on your own. He is a Savior, not just for eternity, but for today as well. All right. So what we want to do is we want to take what we read in this Bible. The reason, the reason we preach God's Word is not just to say to say a lot of a lot of words, not just to take up some time, but the reason that we preach God's word is for transformation, is to see change. And so what we want to do is we want to take what we read in this Bible and we want to apply it to our lives today and, and see that change, see that transformation. And so we say, in this passage, we read about people carrying someone to Jesus. Well, Jesus isn't up on Main Street this afternoon working miracles, so how am I going to carry somebody to Jesus? We read about Matthew throwing a Jesus party and inviting other people. Well, (laughs) Jesus in the flesh isn't coming to my house tonight, so how do I invite people to a Jesus party? Well, how we're going to take what's in the Bible and then apply it to today are, are two words invest and invite invest and invite and these two words will help us to help people find and follow Jesus today in our world invest and invite deepen your relationship with those who are in your circle and then invite Invite them to have faith conversations. Invite them to come to worship gatherings uh, and, and, and church groups with you. And here's, here's the deal on that, on that. If you invite someone to come to a worship gathering, they're going to hear the good news of Jesus. How he can save their soul, forgive their sins, <laughs> change their life. They're going to hear that here. And so we can invest in people And we can invite them to have faith conversations. We can invite them to come to worship gatherings here at Holland Chapel. Now what we want to do is is we want to take something that's really general, which is invest and invite just out there. Yeah, that's a good idea. I could do that. We want to take this idea that's really general out there, and we want to make it specific. And that's where the napkins come in. So if you will, go ahead and grab a napkin that's around you. Get a pen. Uh, get a pen, get a napkin. You might want to grab one of those Bibles or something with a hard back so that because you're going to be riding on some napkins. I had a buddy one time, and we were meeting, and he said, man, I want to be the, the guy that writes on napkins. Well, you're all going to be that person today. Uh, as you're getting, getting ready and getting prepared for that, uh, I'll tell you a few things. There have been some really important things uh, that were written uh, originally on napkins. Uh, there was a lunch meeting, uh, and the original sketches for four of Pixar's most successful films 
were sketched out on a napkin at a lunch meeting. Uh, those, those films would go on to make the company over a billion dollars. Um, the uh, original uh, sketches uh, for the uh, MRI model, the original model, on a napkin. Uh, Shark Week, that's right, idea on a napkin. Uh, the uh, Tiffany and Company uh, head designer met with the NFL commissioner in the 60s and uh, on a napkin drew uh, what would become uh, a super, the Super Bowl trophy. And he was hired for the job and, and has, uh, they've had that job every year since. And then uh, for you hamburger lovers, uh, Whataburger, uh, the, uh, the A-frame buildings, that design, that's right, on a napkin. So some important things started on napkins, and we believe that what you're going to be writing out on a napkin this morning can be uh, even more important than that. All right, so what you're going to do is first you're going to get your napkin on the top, uh, just write relationship circles. Relationship circles, because uh, this, is, this is what it's about. Uh, I uh, read uh, this uh, in a book, Leading Others, that we use uh, for leadership development here at Holland Chapel, a book by a fellow named Mac Lake. And so he had uh, something like this, and then uh, we've just kind of adapted it. And so that's where this uh, came from. On the left side of the napkin, uh, right, draw a big circle. And just somewhere in there, it doesn't have to fill up the whole circle, draw a big circle and then write, no face. No face. And let's explain that. So this is one of your relationship circles. In this, in, in this circle are those folks who, who you recognize their face. You might not even know their name, but you associate them with an event or with a place, and so maybe it's a business that you frequent, and you see this person, they're an employee there, so you see them every time you go into this business. Uh, maybe it's uh, a couple that you see at, uh, at uh, a lot of school functions that you go to with your kids, and you always see this other couple or this other family. Uh, maybe it's someone that you sit behind uh, at a sporting event on, on, uh, on a regular occasion, and so you... You recognize their face, and you can associate them with a place or event, all right? And then beside that, draw another circle, kind of in the middle of the napkin, and, and write no facts. And these are folks that, that you, you know, on a little bit of a deeper level, you, you, you know some basic information about them, uh, you, you know their name, uh, maybe you know where they work, you know how many people are in their family, uh, you know some, you know what kind of hobbies they're into, what they like, what they don't like, and so you've got a relationship with these folks. Uh, you work with them, uh, maybe they're coworkers, neighbors, family members, and so you know facts. And then to the right of that, because there's and there's just three, uh, so this is the last one. Uh, draw another circle. No fears. All right, no fears. And these are folks uh, that you know, you've got a pretty intimate relationship with them. Uh, you know uh, what they're worried about, all right? You know that they uh, are worried about their kids who have who've moved off and, and they're concerned about that and how they're going to do, how they're going to make it in the world. Uh, you know uh, that they're concerned about uh, a doctor's appointment that they have coming up and it's got them nervous and feeling anxious. 
Uh, you know some of those fears. Uh, you know uh, that they're going through a transition. Maybe it's a new job or a relocation, and it's, it's got them worried. It's got them concerned. And so these folks, you've got somewhat of an intimate relationship with them. You can have uh, deep conversations with them, uh, and, and they may be close friends. Uh, they may be uh, family members or, or other folks. And so these are our relationship circles. And, and all of us, we've got folks uh, that fit into some of these circles. Um, yes, we do. Below that, we're going to write two questions. The first question we're going to write is, who do you know in each circle? That's why I kind of paused there because I was getting ahead of myself. Who do you know in each circle? And you don't have to write this out right now. I encourage you to follow up with this uh, at, uh, at lunch or later today. Uh, and, but, but on the napkin right now, write the question, who do you know in each circle? And with that, you're going to want to think of one or two folks that you know that fit into each of these categories uh, that you have a relationship with. All right? And you'll, you'll, you'll write a couple, a couple of names there. And then the next question, and this is it. And, and uh, b besides answering this, this is all you're going to be drawing on this napkin. What could you do to invest and invite? What could you do to invest and invite? And with this, again, we're taking something that's general, and now we're making it specific. And after you... Write in those one or two people in each circle. And after you write down one or two things, specific things you could do to invest and invite, what you've got on this napkin is a really good action plan that will help you help people find and follow Jesus this year. And you could follow this, follow through on it, and you're going to be living on mission. It's really as simple as something that you can fit down, uh, fit in, and write down on a napkin few things uh, to, to think about uh, with this. When you're thinking, what could you do to invest and invite? The more vulnerable you are in a relationship, the more vulnerable someone else is going to be. And so if you're asking someone questions about their life, when we share struggles that we have and we share information and we open up, well, then that helps the other person open up. And so if you're thinking about... Uh, investing more in a relationship with someone, be vulnerable yourself. Uh, a second thing is very intentional. So be intentional with this. Not just something in general that, yeah, I'm going to invest and invite, but no, how are you going to do that? And so that's why that second question is so important. Uh, what are one or two things that you can do? And it may be that okay, in, in the neighborhood, I can, instead of rushing in, I can Go out front and, and have a conversation with my neighbor. Uh, maybe it is that I can uh, take someone a gift. Maybe it's someone that I'm sitting at, uh, with at a sporting event, and when I go to the concession stand to grab some bottled water, I grab, I grab a couple more for, the, for the, the, the folks that are sitting in front, in front of me. Right there, that's, that's deepening that relationship. That's investing, some, investing a few dollars, uh, but it's helping the relationship there. 
Uh, be intentional. How can you invite? Uh, well, oh, well, this is a uh, uh, a mom, and, and and they've got some young kids. I can invite them to our mom's play group. Uh, this is uh, we're playing basketball, and I know this guy's and and some of you do this all the time. I know this guy's into sports. I'm going to invite him to come play basketball with us. I'm going to invite this family. Next time I see them, I'm going to ask them to come to church and to lunch with us. So think through those specific ways that you can invest and invite. Be intentional. And then the third thing is this is ongoing. It's not a one time uh, and then you're done. It's not a I invite one time and then I'm done. It's not a, I invest a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of time, a little bit of sweat, a little bit of money one time and then I'm done. But these are folks that are in your family. These are folks, friends that are in your neighborhood. And you, it's an ongoing investment. It's an ongoing inviting. It's an ongoing asking about having a faith conversation. It's an ongoing, hey, come along with me. It doesn't stop. You check it off and you're finished. I want to share some real life stories of investing and inviting. Uh, there's a friend of mine, and he, we were talking uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and he said, You would be amazed at how many uh, faith conversations I'm able to have with other guys just because uh, we go to the gym together. And so we go work out together, and uh, that sweat investment happens, and just the wall comes down, and we're able to get real with one another and have some very intentional uh, faith conversations. And I'm able to help people uh, follow Jesus through that just because I go to the gym with them. All right, that's an example of being intentional and investing uh, some time to help someone else find and follow Jesus. You could go do it on your own and not think about anybody else, or you could invest and invite. And that's what this gentleman has chosen to do, and he's been helping people find and follow Jesus, and he continues to do it. Another real-life uh, story uh, some, uh, involves a lot of friends of mine, actually. They were, they were on both sides of this. And so a yard sale, right? You've had them. You've gone to them. Uh, yard sale. So... Uh, a couple families uh, were having a yard sale together, and then uh, this, this other fella came up and was checking out what they had. And they didn't know each other, uh, but they saw the shirt that the guy was wearing, and they immediately made a connection with him based on what his shirt said. And so they began a conversation, being intentional, and started talking to this gentleman just because of what is, was written on his shirt. Well, they were wanting to be intentional. And so they went ahead and invited this fella and his family to come to church uh, with them. He took them up on it, showed up at church. They continued to invest in that relationship, get to know him and his family better. And now that family has been following hard after Jesus for over a decade uh, because some people were intentional at a yard sale. And then a third real-life story of investing and inviting to share with you. Uh, there was a guy, and he was a security guard at a church. So he would come and unlock doors and things like that uh, at a church. And so this is, we're thinking about investing and inviting uh, with your like family, with your, within your household. And so he was a security guard. He was working this church. Well, then he started hearing what was being preached, hearing what was being sung, 
and Jesus started working in his life. And it went from being just a job to, hey, I'm getting involved in this church. I'm becoming a part of this church. I'm, 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 I'm starting to follow Jesus. But he didn't leave it at that. He went home to his family, and he started inviting his, his wife and then his daughter, and then his grandson. And before long, the whole family was involved following after Jesus. Those are some real-life stories. You know some real-life stories. You are some real-life stories. But it's really as simple as something that we can jot down on a napkin, a plan of investing and inviting others to follow after Jesus. And so keep it simple, and let's do that Hey, let's pray together now. Jesus, we believe that you changed lives. We believe that you made that man walk. We believe that you made Matthew and his friends feel accepted and that they belong with you. We believe that you changed lives then, and we believe that you continue to change lives today. We ask you now to fill us with passion for you. Increase our boldness and our intention in helping others find you, in helping others follow you. In the name of Jesus, amen.